This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio podcast. Uh, This is episode number 172. Our fearless leader and host, Patrick Donahoe, is out this week. However, we do have a really, really special treat for you. Uh, A few weeks ago, we uh, had an event called the Cashflow Wealth Summit, which was powered by Paradigm Life. And two of the presenters of the Cashflow Wealth Summit were uh, a couple of guys named Mike and Jamin. And they are the guys that are doing Upper Valley Tiny Homes. I don't know if you've seen these tiny homes before. They're, they're all over reality TV, and they are sweeping the nation. Very, very popular. And uh, these are the guys that are doing it. So we'd like to have you take a moment and check them out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And by the way, if, uh, if you didn't take part in the Cashflow Wealth Summit, all of our presenters are available at CashflowWealthSummit.com. You can go watch them on demand for free until the end of November, so we'd like you to check them out. And now it's our good friends Mike and Jamin from Upper Valley Tiny Homes here on the Wealth Standard Radio Podcast. Hey guys, my name is Mike. I'm the owner and founder of Upper Valley Tiny Homes, and we'd like to give you this amazing presentation on how we can help you guys decide if investing in a tiny home is the right thing for you. Because we have many, many people come to us asking us if investing in a tiny home is right for them. And what we like to do is we like to give you a, a variety of strategies that we've experienced from many, many investors and also from conversations that we've had on how you can properly invest in a tiny home. But first, what we want to do is we want to give you an overview of our background on where we came from, how we started, and how we've come to get into the opportunity of investing in a tiny home. So my background is is that I was originally a graduate at BYU-Idaho, and I was a graduate in construction management. And then I had a huge fascination toward manufacturing. I don't know why, but I love manufacturing products like or wood products and what I originally was doing I was building sheds for a living for a company called Upper Valley Shed Builders and I manufactured sheds as kits and I shipped them off nationwide but as I built sheds for a living I also built small cabins up in the mountains but as I was building sheds up in the mountains many people were bringing up the subject of tiny homes and I had a very big fascination toward tiny houses so what I did is I did some research online and found out that there was many, many tiny home builders out there who were building these beautiful houses like the ones we see right behind us. But the problem was many of them were extremely overpriced. And I was talking to my wife about it, saying, you know, I'm traveling an hour and a half round trip up and down the mountain, building a cabin, and I'm doing it for half the cost of a tiny home. And I told her, we are in the wrong industry. We need to get into tiny homes. And the other big issue we found about tiny homes is that many people are looking for the tiny homes for affordable living. And many people thought that these houses are built for luxury and for the rich. But no, what I found out for the past 31 homes I've built, that every single home is built for affordable living. And that is the number one goal that you have to look out for when you're investing in a tiny home. Your market is for people who want to save money and also want to live in something that is very unique and very beautiful. So today I started a company uh, called Upper Valley Tiny Homes, where we started with three investors that have built a house called the Lexington, the Birchwood, and the Crosswind models. These three homes that we built 
we built them as this very standard home to help people realize that they can buy a home that is affordable, that is effective, and also that is something that is simple to live in. And that's why we had a very great opportunity to not only build those three homes, but those investors have helped me build the past 31 homes that we built this 15 months. So now we have the opportunity to not only work with investors that have helped me start up my company, but we have met many, many investors this past few months that have wanted to learn different ways to invest in a tiny home. And that's what me and Jamin want to do with you today. So I would like Jamin to introduce himself on how he has gotten into this industry as well, and we'll share with you on how we can help you. I'm Jamin Scott. Uh, I've been the promoter of tiny homes in Utah through my website, tinyvilla.com. I uh, got started when my daughter had us watch uh, one of these programs on TV. I used to develop websites, and so uh, whenever I wanted to learn about something, I'd just go in and develop a website and, and just kind of use that as a format for learning. So I got, a, got the domain tinyvilla.com and put the site up. About eight months later, I started getting phone calls. I'd forgotten all about the site, but uh, I realized that in all the years of creating websites and promoting them, I'd never seen as much interest as there was in the tiny house area. I mean, there were just people calling up all, you know, just every single day with very little effort on my, on my part. So in the process of beginning to put on seminars and those things, Mike and I got together and we've had uh, some good experiences just helping people learn about tiny homes, learning about the opportunity. But we've also had a lot of good conversations about different ways that uh, we ourselves would like to uh, capitalize on this movement and things that we could do investing ourselves. And so that's, I think that's kind of the opportunity that we want to share with you. Yep. And then what we've also done is we actually been to seminars where we hosted uh, seminars in a variety of areas where people get to learn about the tiny houses, about why they're important, and also why they can actually help people uh, find affordable living, but also how some could invest in a tiny home. And those seminars have been a huge difference for many people because they never realized how effective these homes can be in their lifestyle. And that's why we want to do this webinar with you guys, because we want to help you realize what this can do for your life, lifestyle if you wish to live in one, or what you can do for your lifestyle to make money with these tiny homes. So there are a variety of things that we want to talk about tonight, and we have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to try and have us go through this as quickly as we can, because there's a lot to dig in. So guys, please get out a pen and a paper. Write this stuff down, because this is going to really help you a lot on your journey to invest in a tiny home. So. There is about three subjects I want to go over uh, on a tiny home, or three avenues I want to go over that has really helped me realize what a tiny home can do to help us make money. So um, I really would like to focus on, on talking to Jamin for now, but please get your paper and pen out and then um, and listen carefully on what we've done to make this happen. So what I did is uh, remember the uh, the uh, the. Uh, we went to Cabela's, remember that? We yep. did that uh, showing where in Cabela's we were talking to people about how they can live in a tiny home and there's lots of questions and answers. There was a man that came up to me at Cabela's and he wants to do rental properties for tiny homes. Uh, it was right after one of the seminars that we did. And as I talked to the guy at, the, um, at this uh, seminar, uh, he, the biggest issue that he was facing is land. Land is a very hard thing for, uh, to get into for a tiny home. And, uh, but 
I have experienced many different ways that we can get a tiny home onto land, but you just have to work the system uh, in a way. Reason why tiny homes are hard to get on properties, on, on even a residential property, is the building codes. We don't have inspectors coming to the shop looking at these homes, but I do build all my homes to code. But the problem is too many builders out there are building these homes not to code. That, that's why cities are not allowing these homes built on residential lot properties. But because these homes are built on trailers, they are allowed on recreational properties because recreational properties allow these homes to be on a temporary foundation. Recreational properties generally do, or HOAs, don't want people to be, <coughs> sorry, they don't want people to have any cabins on permanent foundations. So that is why uh, this guy said, what can I do to get on more likely on recreational properties or any other properties that are available? <coughs> so there are a variety of places where you can park a tiny home. Um, he, I told him that you could either put it on a recreational lot, which is very affordable. Many recreational lots range anywhere from $5,000, even up to $30,000 for an acre to uh, oh, a quarter of an acre. And it just really depends on where you live. And in the state of Utah, it's like, any, I know plenty of them are for about five grand. But, um, and the cool thing about a recreational lot is that you can build a home off grid and you don't even have to hook up any utilities because many cities require you to be hooked up to utilities, but you can build these homes off grid and put them on a recreational lot and you can start making money out of the house by just parking it there and getting people immediately to live in there. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I think with regard to the recreation property aspect of it, there's one uh, recreation uh, location up here, up the valley a little bit, where the county won't allow tiny homes under certain sizes, et cetera. But the HOA, this particular RV, or I mean recreation HOA subdivision, they do. And so when I talk to the county, if the HOA allows it, even though the county themselves may not have that as part of their stipulations, you can still go in. So it's important to kind of check out just because the county says, oh, we don't allow them. Sometimes you can find a recreation HOA or a subdivision that's recreation property where you can put them in, uh, you know, even without, like you say, without having a, a permanent foundation. So, you know, a little bit of homework and, and working with real estate agents, you can discover a lot of, uh, a lot of things that you wouldn't normally think was there. Yeah, and, I, and a, pretty much a quarter of my customers right now are living on recreational properties. And the thing is, they all have been able to get in there perfectly fine as long as it was built on trailers. It's not on a foundation. And they do really appreciate it if you're off grid. And that's been a big plus. So when I talked to this guy at Cabela's and told him, look, if you put it on a recreational lot for like five grand, and then you buy your tiny house for anywhere from forty-five to $50,000, and if you have the house completely off grid, that's all you have to put into it. 55,000 right there. And, uh, and then all you gotta do is start renting it out. And it depends on the recreational lot you put the house on. Generally people like recreational lots to rent out for the day for recreational use, or you could rent them out full time. Now I hear, uh, I talked to another investor about recreational lands that you make more money renting out a, uh, a cabin seasonal than renting it out monthly, mm -hmm. which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And I was thinking, how, how does that happen? But, so what he has done is this investor, uh, he's out of Duck Creek, Utah, if you guys heard of it. But this investor, he 
basically put uh, his cabin, a really small mini cabin on there, and he's renting it out for about $150 to $200 a day. And that means monthly, he's supposed to be making, uh, he said he could rent it monthly for about $800 to $1,000 a month. But because he's renting it out per day for $200 a day for, I think it was from November over to January, and possibly fe um, maybe March, he's getting taken out for that period of time. He is making three times as much than he was making just doing it monthly. Yeah, if you, you know, if you have a vacancy rate of you know, 50, 60%, you're still uh, dollars ahead as opposed to renting out monthly. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's absolutely, that's I found that too. You know, at uh, that same Cavella um, seminar that we put on, a gal came up uh, and, at, and talked to us after the seminar. She was that idea that we talked about, the Uber thing. She, she, what well, her idea was, she was going to um, buy two or three, four tiny houses and have each one have a theme and be able to, you mentioned, I think that like a, a university inn or something like that, that had all these different rooms that have the theme. Well, she'd have the tiny house with the theme. And you know, you rent that out for an anniversary or for special, you know, even a honeymoon or those kind of things. And there again, you know, these people are gonna pay three, $400 a night, depending on what you furnished, because you can do more than just say, yeah, here's your tiny home, have fun. You can say, you want me to stock the fridge? Do you want me to prepare the meals? Do you want me to have special decorations? Do you want a masseuse to come in? You know, I mean, and you can really, you know, monetize that opportunity in, in, a, in an incredible way. And there again, even if you just did it, uh, say on weekends, if they just had your four or five tiny houses, take them to a different, you don't even have to own the land. You can just have places where they allow you to bring in the tiny house. You give them a, a small percentage of that. They come in for, you know, her idea was that you, you deliver it uh, Thursday night and then they give them the key, they go up there. So they get it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then on Monday, she comes and takes it off. And you know, for that three or four day weekend, you know, you should end up with a lot more income than, than I, and a lot less hassle too, you know, when you think mm -hmm. about it. So. so it's the daily income instead of the monthly income that makes a lot of good money in a tiny home. Yep. And that's what I found out from a lot of investors I've talked to is that these seasonal rentals are really good money out of it, especially because the type of people that are renting out, uh, renting these homes out daily are the ones who actually have money and hopefully have better respect toward the house as well because I own 18 rental properties and I used to rent them out in much lower class neighborhoods and the houses get destroyed. But we realize if we have the homes rented out in more upper class neighborhoods, we had a much greater income and the house ends up much better shape when, it, when it's left. Yep. So that's what I like about it. Now, and, and the last thing too about these themes with a tiny home is that we, every single home that we built, we built over 31 to, to 30, actually it is 32 now because we just finished one a couple days ago. But, um, but every single home that we built has a personality behind it. And if you are gonna be renting out a tiny house with a theme, and you say you had a, a tiny house, uh, um, a place where you rent out maybe five or six tiny homes, then you can have a specific theme toward each home that when the customer comes, they'll go, you know what, I, th this fits my personality, this specific tiny home, I wanna rent this out for the day. And then say the base price is $200 a night, then they decide, you know what, 
I want to rent out this tiny home for the night, but you know what, I want to add some, uh, you know, maybe a, uh, a, a nice dinner with it that they can supply dinner or they can supply entertainment or you can even ask for massage uh, therapists to come. You could, you could upsell so much stuff with a tiny home if you have all these themes to it. Now, I'm gonna mention, hopefully this investor is okay, but we just closed on an investor just three days, oh no, just yesterday, where this investor has just purchased four tiny homes from us. He's gonna be putting these four tiny homes on a, in an RV park and they're gonna have a beach theme. So this is more almost like a beach house theme, this house here, but he's gonna have some additional features onto it to add more personality to the house. But he's gonna put a theme to each house in his development. So he's gonna have over a dozen tiny homes with different themes to it, and that he's gonna be renting these homes out for about uh, uh, $200 to $300 a night. That's golden. I mean, it's that huge. Golden. Yeah. And the thing is, as he does this, he's going to be able to add additional features to the house that people could rent out. He is gonna have options where some houses could be rent monthly, but he's gonna have options where people could just rent it daily on vacation, because that's most likely where these homes are going. And I think that's an important aspect of it, because you know maybe you don't wanna get into the thing where you're constantly having to you know take care of them on a weekend or that. Seasonally, you know, if you picked out three or four or five months during the year, but like you said, that other direction too, of being able to find you know, a, a, set, a setting, a scenario where they just come in for a month and, and less, less maintenance on your part. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a way to go too. We've got uh, some people out in uh, Oregon that went out and stayed in one at, uh, just to see what, what the experience is going to be like, you know. And they said, you know, they had to book that thing four months in advance just to be able to go out and, and stay in it. But I think one of the things that um, my wife and I, um, we sold our house in January and we started building our tiny house. We're still in the process of, of building it. Um, we don't know if we'll ever end up actually living in it. You know, we've got more people that want to rent it than, so we, we may never even get to live in our own little tidy house. <laughs> but, uh, so there, there's a lot of interest in it, there really is. Now, other than the, uh, the, the daily uh, rental, because that's, that's, I believe that's the direction I would go if I was gonna be investing in tiny homes, renting it daily. But monthly really is a home run. Yeah. Because this house right here behind us, I know I keep pointing back to this one, sorry, but there's a lot of examples of this house right here. I know we have like this one and this one around us. So, but um, this customer is going to be renting out her house in Southern California. And think about this guys. Um, re purchasing a house in Southern California, I, I had a customer, they sold a house that was a two bedroom, one bath for $300,000. That's insane, $300,000. And um, they were thinking about renting it too. So I know the rent varies on each home, but uh, you can rent a house anywhere from, uh, I think it was $2,000 to $3,000 in Southern California. So you're putting about a, uh, about, what is it, um, $300,000 into a house. And we'll say to throw a bone in, $3,000 a month you're renting it for, if you can. And then, so that's gonna take a while for you to pay, out, pay back that house. So that's like at least uh, 10 years right there. That's, that's a lot of time to pay it back. This girl, she bought this house for $27,000. $27,000, and she's renting it for a minimum of $1,000 a month, and she already has people reserving it. 
Yeah, yeah. So and and the other big difference between that is, so let's say you do have a you know two three bedroom that you're renting out. Let's say that the renters just don't take care of it. You've got to go in and renovate, and and you build that in of course into your profit model. But with these, how long does it take you to remodel a, a tiny house? I mean, you know, Not the cost long. of doing that is is so much so much less, and you can come in and just refurbish them and and, and turn them around. You don't have to, you can, you can drag them, you can drive them into your own shop and do them right there. You don't have to, you know, go out on locations. So, so there's, there's some real, some real pluses. I worked up a cap rate, uh, you know, I was in real estate for a uh, number of years, a broker out in California, and we used to do rental property and would, you know, figure out cap rates on a rental property. And if we could get it up to, you know, eight, you know, 7%, people were happy with that type of return. The cap rate on these tiny homes, you know, it's up closer to like 12, 15, sometimes even 20%, depending on how you put that together. So, you know, it's, it's a whole different uh, opportunity than just normal rental property. Absolutely. It's a much bigger opportunity. Now, other than the rental base, like how we could rent these daily or rent it monthly, um, I've talked to investors about how we can flip these things now. And there's a way we can flip these homes. Um, we, I talked to uh, an investor about a month or so ago where he wanted to purchase land and then put the house on the land and add all the utilities and then just sell it right away. Because some people want to do that. They want to build a new home and they just sell it immediately. Now these don't sell substantially more than a regular house, but you're playing with a lot less money than having to put three or $400,000 into one house because he lost a lot of money because I remember he was back at, uh, this investor said he put about $300,000 into a house. And he made a good point here. He said, put $300,000 into a home to build and get the land and build the house. But then he said it ended up taking him about eight months to sell. Mm -hmm. It took him forever, even though it's a good market, but that particular home took him eight months. And he says, think of a tiny house. You, he may only buy the land from maybe uh, I think it was like fifty or sixty thousand dollars, and then you buy the home for about another fifty thousand. So you're only in it at a hundred thousand instead of three hundred. So that means you're able to put your money in other places while you're putting this house onto land. And what he calculated was you buy the land for. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know. I'm not a huge real estate guy. I just build these things, but. What I believe is that uh, from him, what he's explaining to me is that you're buying the land, you put the house on there and you're supplying the utilities. And if you are putting all that together, that's what raises the value substantially on the house. This guy has told me that if you put about every $100,000 you put into the land in the house, he's supposed to be getting it back anywhere from 120 to $130,000 back. And he's hoping that he could turn that around every three to four months if he can. Yeah, Just yeah, no, you're right because, you know, people don't know, you, you were talking earlier when we were visiting about, you know, going in and getting the water shares, going and getting all of the, you know, permits and getting all those things together. That's a lot of hassle for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, that's not something that typically they have to deal with when they're going in to, to buy a house. So I, I think there is a, a, a great aspect to, a developer, an investor being able to go in and, and package that whole thing and saying, you know, we've already taken care of all of the, the incidental things that are related to getting you set and getting you going. 
yeah, there's some real value for, to that right mm -hmm. there. And the last thing about flipping a uh, house in, uh, is even doing a development because I know that's the biggest thing on TV a lot, or even uh, for many investors, they want to start a tiny house development and get that going. But the problem is, is finding a state that will accept it. But I know many investors, what they do is they go on, if you go on Google, you can search uh, just saying mobile home parks, RV parks, used mobile home parks or used RV parks for sale because many cities are looking down on mobile home parks and RV parks to be new ones like zoning a brand new mobile home park or RV park because they don't want the trailer trash. Right. But if you take an existing RV park or an existing mobile home park and purchase that and flip it by making it look beautiful and putting a tiny home in there, it substantially raises the value and you could sell that because I went to go see a customer out of Laramie, Wyoming, and no offense to the RV park, uh, to the mobile home parks in, in Laramie, Wyoming, but they were garbage. The houses were all falling apart. Uh, There's this metal falling off of some of the siding of a bunch of them. But when I go, went to see my customer um, in Laramie, Wyoming, the house was a crown jewel <laughs> to that development. The house was gorgeous. It was just sticking up like a sore thumb. And, and I was thinking, man, every person coming in there is probably going to be thinking, why wasn't I getting one of those? Because it's just, it's a beautiful home. And so uh, imagine one of these compared to, you know, an old rundown mobile home. Yeah. And these are not like mobile homes. They're built exactly like a regular house. And there is a lot of pride of ownership when, you know, when people come to these they put a lot of personality in it. You know, every customer you've had has added their own personality to that house. Mm -hmm. How much personality can you put into a mobile home? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it is what it is and you just live with and it. And how much personality can you put into a 2,000 square foot home to put all that money and time into it? Yeah. I live in a 2,000 square foot home and I am on a 10 year plan and trying to get that done. Yeah. And if I had one of these, it would be a lot quicker. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I am building our tiny home. We've even named it. We've given our, our tiny house a name. We call it Gracie. <laughs> and, you know, because it, it really becomes a, a very personal kind of thing for people. And that, that attracts a whole different uh, group of, of owners and rentals and, and the whole thing. It, it, does, it definitely attracts. Uh, and when it's personal, people appreciate it more and they don't trash it as absolutely. much. Yep. And the thing is, that's why when I talked to this one investor, we were talking about they're going to buy a mobile home park with about a dozen lots, 12 lots. And the park was for about $300,000. They already had some people renting it, but not many. But they, we figured that putting the tiny homes on there and adding them up on there, one, it would just make it look a lot more beautiful. But he looked at a mobile home park just down the road that was completely upgraded, had a nice little park in it, had beautiful homes. They actually require certain standards in that park. And that park was 300 times more of the value of that other park that he was looking into. Yeah. So that means if he flipped a park by just doing some landscape work, and then adding these homes to it and selling the homes, making a profit out of the homes that he flips, and then he triples the value or, or, or whatever, how much more he can get, he may be making in at least a couple more hundred thousand dollars within a year out of just flipping a mobile home park or RV park. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and, and those kind of developments, you know, require a lot more effort and a lot more background understanding. But I think that uh, the payoff on those are, are, are definitely make it worth it. And also the popularity too, because yeah. the media is gonna be all over that because I know at least three developments of tiny homes that are in RV parks or mobile home parks 
and they are getting so much publicity that who's going to do a ton of publicity on a mobile home park or RV park with just typical RVs and typical mobile homes? Yeah. But if there is a development with just these, with so many different personalities, the media is going to be all over it, that that person, whoever's investing in, in that, is going to get a lot of free advertising. Yeah. I don't know what the climate's going to be like 10 years from now, but like you say, right now, there's just a lot of buzz about it. I mean, we had a, a local television program come down and, and talk to us tomorrow morning, and, and they just, you know, they just hear about it and call you up on the phone and say, hey, can we come down and interview you? You know, I mean, there's just, just a lot of buzz going on that. There's another area of investment. I just uh, talked to somebody back east in Texas. There's a little town there that has dried up. I don't can't remember what their industry was, but you know it's one of these things where mining or whatever the the main industry that was supporting the town, the company you know closed up, left town, and the little towns just dwindled away. Well, they've turned around and they've embraced tiny houses. They've turned around and turned their town into a tiny house invitation. You know, come and live. You know, they've had to be really careful to set up some standards, like you were saying, to, you know, to manage the whole experience. But, you know, they are just finding lots of individuals that are excited about, you know, here is a town that embraces and supports tiny houses. So that would be a major undertaking, but that would be a whole, whole fun to go find these almost ghost town and turn it into a, you know, a, a booming tiny town just because of the opportunity of a place to have it and be acceptable. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and I believe cool? that's just gonna keep on growing. There's gonna be more and more cities are gonna wanna accept him because I just talked to a real estate investor about a month ago where he wanted to invest in our company. And as he, I was talking to him, he was amazed seeing all these homes in our shop, thinking, how many are you building a month? And I said, oh, we're building about four a month right now. And he goes, well, how many have lined up? And I go, we got about uh, actually 15 homes lined up we got to build after that. And he goes, how in the hell are you getting that many sales? Because he says the interest rates are extremely low right now in the real estate industry that how are you possibly selling these to people when they can just go out, go to a bank and buy a home instantly, you know, a, a real home. But I told him, well, because it's unique. It's something that also people could customize whatever way they want, but also it is still affordable like a regular home. And this investor was telling me, you got, if you think you're doing this good right now, he says, wait till the interest rates go up. Cause he says the interest rates are as low as they, uh, as they can be right now. Yeah. That once they go right back up, the tiny homes are gonna be exploding. And I was thinking, and I was wondering about that, thinking, is this just gonna be a fad? Is this gonna be something that people are just gonna get into temporarily in these cities or may put them in for a little bit? And then the cities are gonna decide, let's just have normal homes. But no, so many real estate investors I talk to keep telling me over and over, this is gonna get bigger because of uh, of if right now, if they're already getting big, they're gonna get bigger when people start running out of money and people need to save money and get into something more affordable that probably more and more cities are gonna start accepting these. Well, you think about it, you know, so you go to the bank and the interest rate's gone up and they say, yeah, okay, 7% for 30 years, 7% for three, four years. I mean, you know, even though, I mean, I can go 10% for three years and I'm still, you know, way ahead. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think there's some real inflation proofing that's built right into this whole opportunity. Yeah, really absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I was just dumbfounded by that with him telling me about the industry 
could take off like crazy with the tiny home movement just because of how affordable it is. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that um, not just for investors that just want to rent these daily, like the guy that I, I sold these four homes for, but I believe that people will start putting these in developments where they can give in to uh, have average people that just want to rent them just as a regular home instead of just something as just for pleasure. And generally, all, every home I built, um, I don't know if I said this before in this conversation, we built 32 homes this past 15 months and none of them are for pleasure. None of them are for recreational use. All 32 homes that we built have been full-time living. That's a lot to say because when I originally got into this industry, I originally was gonna sell, build these for recreational use, for cabins, because I was a cabin builder. Yeah. But now it's amazing that every single home we built have been for full-time living. And that, it's a lot to say that these people, nobody really wants to have them just for something, just for fun. This is serious stuff. They want something that is gonna change their life. Yeah, there's, there's three or four builders in the state here. And um, Mike, you're unique in that you build them for, for real houses. I mean, you know, you look at some of these other builders that build locally, they really do build for kind of a, glitzy you know uh to me when when i walk into your houses i feel like i'm in my in a home where where i walk into some of the other uh people that are your competitors you know you feel like you're in a vacation property you feel like you've rented a cabin for the weekend and i think there's something about you know if i come home i want to come home to something that feels you know um meat like it's me like one of the guys i was talking with he was saying um well, there's a real high buyer remorse with our homes because people just get in them and they're like, oh, that was fun for a while. But I think the more that they build the house for them, they build the house for what they want to live in, come home to every day, that's, that's not an issue. So I, you know, I really applaud you and the approach that you've taken on, on how to build them. And we go in that conversation a little bit because that's, that's kind of because if you're if these folks are investing in tiny homes they got to know what industry they're going to be hitting and when i got into this whole entire thing um i i started uh, people come from different backgrounds i had a couple they sold a three hundred thousand dollar home i talked about originally in california they sold it outright with cash they have in their pocket so they have three hundred thousand dollars in cash after selling that house and they buy a thirty thousand dollar tiny home <laughs> It's just crazy. They buy that $30,000 tiny home, they go into an RV park, and now they have all that extra money for retirement, vacations, or whatever they want. They have a completely new lifestyle because they said they were working from paycheck to paycheck, and they just, they just couldn't make ends meet. But this ended up to be a blessing to them because now they have a completely new lifestyle where they have all this extra cash on hand, and they have a house that is paid off, which is the tiny home. And then, um, and then like, I'll just share two other situations with, uh, with clients. And this is really good for you, the viewers here because they'll get an idea of these people's situations. I had a, a lady where she uh, had a child and her husband died in, in uh, Iraq and they basically didn't have as much money. They just had the house that they lived in. They wanted to make a memorable experience where she had her daughter help her design her house which is cool yeah. and the thing is but she needed to have an, uh, an affordable home but to make it a memorable experience for her daughter so she and her daughter got down and i tell every customer this i tell every customer that i want you to draw the floor plan exactly how you want it you know and uh and it doesn't have to be anything too crazy but 
Just draw it the way you want it to make the home comfortable because many builders are restrictive on the floor plans. And that's what people love about this. Instead of getting a big old house where you're only restricted by certain floor plans, in this, you, you can just draw it whatever way you want and we'll try and make it work. And, uh, and that's what she and her daughter did. They drew up the floor plan and they sold their house. And, and it's sad that her husband passed away, but now they started a brand new life in this tiny home where now she and her daughter get to spend this quality time in a home that they, they truly enjoy and that it became a personal experience. And that's what we've been talking about constantly in this conversation is that people are customizing it to whatever way they want, but they got to keep it in their budget. Yeah. And then like the last story, which is a really cool story I like about this one. I know there's, there's a lot of them. <laughs> With all 32 homes, there's a story behind every single one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, there is a, um, a, uh, a husband and wife, I won't mention their names, but they have a son, because this has been common for about an eighth of my customers, they've been buying homes for somebody else. Mm. There was one guy, actually, he, he bought a tiny home, a teeny tiny house, it was only seven feet by 14 feet. Not much space, but his friend lost his job, and he bought the house to help his friend live in it and get back on his feet. Man, I want a friend like that. And similar situation. You got one, Mike. I'd buy oh, you. Oh, I'd yeah. buy the house for you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but there is a husband and wife where they have a son who is um, uh, a re recovering from alcohol. And they're going to be putting the house in the backyard. We're going to build it for them this December. But now they have an opportunity where they can have him close by, but they build it exactly the way we want for him. And then they said once he finishes recovering from alcohol, they're going to rent the house out and get a secondary income. So many, I know we talked about for investors where they can buy us, put tons of money into developments and other stuff like that. But there's many investors who will have the opportunity where they can, they only have 30,000 in their pocket. You could put a tiny house in your backyard and rent it. It just depends on if the city will accept it. But also if you have at least an acre of land, generally you could put a secondary dwelling there. And that's what a good, uh, at least I know three customers right now, they, ha um, they actually own the property and they decide to put the tiny house back there. And this is funny, there's a lady I'm building a house for in two weeks where she owns a 2,000 square foot home in California and she's gonna live in the tiny house and rent out her 2,000 square foot home. Yeah. So I'm thinking, it's just amazing how people are, are adapting to these tiny homes where they use it for so many situations. It's yeah. the sky's the limit with it. Yeah, I, you know, and, and the thing that, um, with what you were saying about someone looking for an income, op income opportunity, the, the cities have been reticent to you know, allow that kind of thing in. But I did a web search uh, two days ago of how many communities are there now in the US that, um, that accept and, and encourage even um, tiny home occupancy in their, in their town. And um, I was surprised because I looked at it a year ago and I couldn't find, you know, two or three communities. And I was up to like 20, 25 communities just in about a half hour search. So I think it's definitely moving in that way. You know, you, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, how long is this going to last? Well, you know, one thing that as it becomes more and more mainstream, more and more of the big builders and the big players are going to come on board and start. I mean, we even had someone from Costco approach us and say, hey, can you package a deal that we can sell through Costco for tiny houses? You know, so right now, I think there is a, a good opportunity to get in and, and establish what you want to try to do and, and, and do that now. I, 
you know, I think if you wait five years or three years, who knows what the market's going to be like. But I think the opportunity is really golden now because more and more communities are beginning to accept them. So, mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, there is, um, I, I, I hopefully I, I got enough time for these last two things, but there's one more subject I want to go over. I think it's a lot of stuff. I know, but it's a lot of fun. Um, the biggest thing, uh, two last things I want to talk about. One is banking. And the two is I want to make sure I clarify the parking because uh, th those are the two biggest things that people have been trying to fight right now lately. So we did talk about there's communities, but there are, we, we need to make sure there isn't parking in a variety of places. So I want to make sure we get everything straight on that so everybody knows where to park it, but also where to get financing. Because what if you do want to invest, but you don't have enough money to invest completely in a tiny home? How are you going to get funding to get into, uh, to purchase a tiny home and invest in it. Now, there is a variety of ways I've found out how you can get funding. Um, now, I found out that one, banks like collateral. They really like collateral, but the problem is these homes are custom built. So there's no collateral if the home is not built yet. And I went to RV dealer and I asked the manager at an RV dealership one day, he said, so can you do financing on custom RVs and he goes it's a lot tougher with that but it can be done interest rates are higher it's a little bit tough and he, uh, he says that's why we have such a large inventory so I was thinking okay so is the inventory and the collateral is what attracts the banks and so I had one customer that pre-purchased one of our trailers and they took the VIN number off the trailer and the contract from our company stating I have a trailer that is a, tra uh, li uh, we either license our, tra our tiny homes as a travel trailer or as a park model. So that means you can go to the bank and get a travel trailer loan or park model loan, and you have the VIN number already. Then you have the contract with our company stating that there, it, it, it's going to be this specific home. Doing that, hands down, they got a $60,000 loan with the bank. Yeah. Just that, a local bank. Yeah, that, that's important. That's important that you make sure those that that part of the whole transaction is there in place mm -hmm. because you know if because I, I know a couple guys that just went and got an old utility trailer that they found and they built a tiny home on that they couldn't get insurance on it they couldn't get anybody to finance it so you know I, I think that uh, you know going rogue is not a good idea in this in this industry make sure you know you you, you understand what what are the implications of being able to have a registered trailer. And, mm -hmm. and, and the registration is a big deal because many tiny home builders, their trailers are only registered as a trailer. Mm -hmm. That's all it says on the VIN number. Right. The last company I used to use, that's all it was, is uh, the last manufacturer I used, they, they only registered as a trailer or a utility trailer. Mm -hmm. That means the bank is going to go, it's just a trailer. Yeah. But it's weird what paper can do. <laughs> You know, where if you say park model or travel trailer, uh, then the bank goes, oh, that makes sense to me. And they, also they know that that's their language. Yeah. yeah. And so not only the collateral, but this is the funny thing. The other way you can get financing is wording the contracts correctly for a bank. Because if you ever go to a bank and say, I want a tiny home loan, they're going to go a tiny house. Why? <laughs> yeah. Legally yeah. today, like uh, you remember how selfie used to not be a word, but yeah. now selfie is a word today. Yeah. Well, the thing is, same thing for a tiny home. Tiny home is still such a foreign thing that banks and insurance companies have no idea what a tiny home is yet on paper legally. Maybe just out of the blue on the social network, they know what it is, but legally on paper, they can't approve it because they don't know what it means. But if you say, I want to do a travel trailer loan, I want to do a park model loan, 
hands down, yes, the banks will be more open to talk to you. And that's what I've done with other customers is that we did a custom build for them for as a travel trailer build that I don't mention the company because we are Upper Valley builders technically. So what I do is I say we are Upper Valley builders. We're going to build a home for this customer. And this is the dimensions of the home. These are the products. I didn't mention one word of tiny home in there. Yeah. Because I took out all the words tiny home on the contract and gave that to the bank for a construction loan, the bank says, yes, we'll do that. And I was thinking, holy frick. I was thinking, how could a bank do that? Yeah. You know, just weird that it's the exact same contract, but I took the word tiny home out of it yeah. and just, or tiny and just put home in there. Yeah. It was really weird, but that's the way that the system works. Yeah. And then the, and the other way people get financing, I've been realizing, is personal loans. Like if you really can't do a travel trailer loan or a park model loan, you can do a personal loan, but the most I've seen customers get is about $30,000. So if you want to get a tiny house and you have some money to put down, because I have a customer right now, I'm closing on tomorrow, where he's putting $15,000 down in cash that he has in his account, but the other $15,000 was a personal loan. Yeah because some banks don't do RV loans or park model loans or travel trailer loans. So, but because he's out in the boondocks in Colorado that the bank only does personal loans. Yeah. And so that brings up the other investment opportunity. You know, if, if you want to go in and, and partner with a builder that you're confident with their building ability and the delivery ability, you're confident that the, that the clientele that they deal with, you know, have the interest and, and are going in it for the right reasons, you know, you can make money just financing these and, and just providing, you know, providing personal yeah. financing for those those situations that are just like what you mentioned. So. You're reading my mind because that was the last thing I was going to talk about. Uh-oh, stole your thunder. <laughs> so, well, the thing is, because my company, this is insane how much interest I charge. I ask 60, uh, my in-house financing for my tiny homes, I charge 60, oh, I ask 60% down on the home. So that's, that's a lot of cash. So 60% down, I ask, on the tiny home, but I do finance 40%. But I charge 10% interest on that 40% yeah. for one year. I ask it to come back in one year. That's a great investment. 10% back in one year yeah. on, on the investment you're making. I have three investors working with me right now that are helping us with our in-house financing. That's the only reason why we finance five people right now in our yeah. company. And we're open to doing more, but we're trying to find investors in our company that are open to offering their terms. So you could extend a five-year term with a 10% interest. It just depends on what you want to do. Right. And uh, But... That's the cool thing. You could go to other tiny home builders, not just me, but I, I welcome investors that come to us because we're that awesome. But the thing is, if you want to invest in Upper Valley Tiny Homes and we could offer in-house financing, then you could offer your terms to my clients where what I do to my investors is I, I have a customer that says, I only have $10,000 I could put down, but I need to borrow $40,000. And they give me their credit report and I take that to my three investors, they look over it and they go, yeah, I'll do it for this term. And, uh, and but they have to pay it back, you know, like they have to pay back this much and with this much percentage in interest. And I take it back to the customer and they can say yay or nay. But the thing is, there's a minimum of 10% that we charge. And some of my investors charge 15% for longer terms, which, and the customers are still willing to pay that much. 
So it's amazing. That is another great opportunity is investing in the, um, is the financing of these tiny homes if you really want to. And I will be honest with you guys. I don't know if my customers are, I'm financing are watching this, but what I, I'm going to say on this video, I put trackers in my tiny homes. That's how I secure my investment because I'm financing a couple homes through my own money that I put a $200 tracker in the home through an app and that is how I track my investment. So if someone defaults, then the tracker is supposed to last two years is what it is. That, that's how I'm able to, so if they default within the year, great. And it's inside the wall, so they're not even gonna know where the stinking tracker is. So once it dies, the batteries are dying, then they can actually, you know, it's, I, don't have to, I don't have to go back and get it anyway. So yeah. I, it's 200 bucks I yeah. lose, but at least it, it secures my investment. So hopefully that, that's a good idea on financing, but I know we're running low on time, but the last thing I'll go over is parking really quick, because that's, I know, I know we've gone over a lot of it, but I just want to make sure people are clear on the parking part. Yes, you can park it on residential lots, but what I've experienced is that you, ha you have to, on a residential lot, it has to be at least an acre of land um, to put the house on there. So if there's someone with acre to acre and a quarter, great double check with the city saying, can I put a RV or a travel trailer or a uh, park model on my home, on my property, and it's just for temporary use. And the city's like totally cool with that, generally. Yeah. A lot of cities are. Number two, a way you can park your tiny home is RV parks. RV parks are great, and as long as you show them the registration of a travel trailer, RV parks welcome it. Number three is mobile home parks are a little bit more strict, but I register my tiny homes as park models, which is a generic term for the, travel, oh, for the mobile homes. And I had a customer who was denied by a park model uh, or by a mobile home, uh, um, uh, man, he was denied by a mobile home park. But I told him, show them your registration. Show them the certificate of the home, of the, of the registration. He went back to the mobile home park, says, oh, sorry, it's not a tiny home. It's a, tr it's a park model. <laughs> and when he did that, they said, oh, yeah, come on in. You're welcome to come in. It's weird what words can do, how you manipulate the words to make it work. Yeah. So, yes, they can accept tiny homes. And then there are tiny home communities. You can go on our website at UpperValleyTinyHomes.com. And there is on the, on the home page um, a spot where you can look at tiny home parking. And I have a list of communities you can find on there. So there are communities where they did zone it and they can park tiny homes there. Finally, there is an interesting way you can get free tiny home parking is BLM land. I love praising BLM land. That's the last thing I'll share on this uh, conversation is that imagine if you take a tiny home, this is what I would do if I invest in a tiny home. And I want you to get your closing remarks on what you would do if you invest in a tiny home. But if I invested in a tiny home, from all the experience I've, 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 I've seen from investors, I would take a tiny home and I would get a theme to it, like a cowboy theme or something else to it. And I would put on Uber or I would put it online and tell people, look, you could take this tiny home and put it on BLM land, which is, um, is, is a government land is what it is, uh, is Bureau of Land Management. BLM land allows you to park a tiny home for free for 17 days. After 17 days, you got to move it for about 15 to 20 miles, and then you could park it somewhere again. But I'm only parking it there for a couple days. So I tell the customer, I have all these specific locations on BLM land, which is just beautiful recreational property is what it is. 
and I could find out the most beautiful locations, remote locations where we could park a tiny home for free. And I'm gonna charge $200 a night for that tiny home to park on BLM land. And they get to choose the location where they get to park it. Then they get to choose what they want to include with the home. I want to have a candlelit dinner with the house. Okay, that's an extra 200 bucks. I want to have a movie. Okay, that's an extra 10 bucks for us to get your movie. I want to get, you know, some, um, maybe um, some bikes to go with it, to go on a nice little bike ride uh, out on a dirt road. Great, another 100 bucks. So instead of making 200 bucks a night, I could make 500 bucks to 800 bucks a night if I do it right. That's an incredible investment, very realistic too, if you do it right and market to that type of audience, especially for those who are on honeymoons or stuff like that. Now, um, if I did that, imagine if I had three or four homes doing that. And I could be making you know, $3,000 a night if I did it right, but I don't know. That's a lot of, it's a lot of work to do it, but I know it can happen. Yeah. So, um, but that's what I would do if I was investing in a tiny home. Well, you know, I. I, I really like that too, and that to me would just be a whole lot of fun besides being profitable. Um, the, I've got a friend that um, he came to me and said, uh, he says, so you're doing the tiny homes, huh? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, he says, well, I was gonna invest in mobile home parks because I've got a friend that just goes in and develops a mobile home park and gets all up and then turns around and, and flips it and sells it. Um, I asked him, I said, well, why don't we do that with tiny homes? You know, just go in and find a, a community that embraces and supports them. Go and develop a, a tiny home, a tiny villa, and uh, and just you know just turn around and flip that. And so that's you know that's that's where I would see you know it's a little more work, a little more effort, and all that kind of thing. But I think the payoff is you know quite a bit. It would be awesome. a good situation that. So that's I'll I'll. Uh, put that on my website as soon as we've got that first one in space. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching this video. Um, I hope this has benefited you guys a lot. We have learned so much on how these homes can be invested in too, and um, we know they're a highly profitable industry right now, and I believe it's gonna be even more profitable in the future. I recommend do your homework, find some land, find out what the type of personality you, you wanna put your tiny home into for a, a community, or even the lifestyle you want people to get into for these tiny homes, rent them out, sell them, do what you want, but make some money and have some fun because that's the biggest part about these homes that we love is we have so much fun building these because they're always different. There's always something new to, to jump into with these houses. So I welcome you to visit my website at uppervalleytinyhomes.com. Learn about our tiny homes, learn about how you can invest in them, look at our prices. I do offer discounts on those who buy in bulk uh, because I have that guy out, uh, that is buying those four homes right now. He's getting a huge discount because I know the potential of what we can do in his future to invest in many, many tiny homes uh, where he's going to have a very prosperous future with them. So again, thank you so much, guys. If you have any questions, come to our website and type in your questions. I'd be more than happy to answer them for you. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.